it don't take very many squash plants to make a whole lot of squash. So I'm only going to put in four, and that is more than me and Nancy can eat. And we provide squash for her mama and her aunt and uncle. So that's three families eating off of just four little plants. We're going to put in three of these yellow neck squash. This is my favorite. I love to mix it with the onions and saute them. And we're going to put in one zucchini. Nancy likes the zucchini. Sometimes she makes zucchini bread with it. So uh, let's go out in the garden and get these things put in. All right, first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to cultivate the bed line where I'm going to put in this simple four squash plant, row of squash. I'm going to cultivate it. I'm going to grate it down, lay out my guide string, and then I'm going to install four squash. So let me get started with that. Sleep. Links. Repeat. Boom, let's party! your brain big enough? Welcome. This is the Atari Lynx Handicast. This is episode 16, Robo Squash, which is based on my favorite British sport of all time, squash. Of course if one doesn't count other great British sports such as cricket, football, snooker, darts, or driving on the left-hand side of the road. Nonetheless, here once more is our host, Mark Little. Well thank you Monty. So, you really like the game of squash, do you? Why, yes. Yes, I do. Uh, do you actually like playing the game? Oh, yes. And I shouldn't boast, but I'm actually quite proficient at squash. I especially love when my pony quickly responds to my commands whilst playing squash, allowing me to swing and whack the ball away from the other riders with my mallet, and then aim it at the goalposts. I could play a full match of four seven-minute chuckers right this very minute. Um, Monty. Yes, Mark? Uh, that's not squash, that's polo. Is it really? Yes, Monty, the game you're describing is called polo. Hold on a tick. Are you telling me that the game I've been playing for all these years, ever since I was a small tot growing up in Lincolnshire? A game in which I try to accurately propel a small wooden ball in the grass with a long thin mallet while striding on a pony, that game is actually called polo? Yes, Monty. Polo, the game you've been playing and at which you are apparently a very able competitor, is called Polo, not Squash. The game is called Polo. I see. That's a real kick in the old helmet, that is. That fact was unbeknownst to me. Well, that changes everything. In that case, never mind. Consider it done, my friend. Besides, it matters not one whit what the game you've been playing is called, as long as you're good at it, right? Yes, quite. 
Still, it makes one wonder when, and where, one got one's information so discombobulated. Well, try not to think about it, Money. I'm sure you'll get over it, but right now I really need to press on with my coverage of today's game, the first of no less than six hyphenated original release titles for the Lynx, part number PA2035, RoboSquash, released by Atari Corp. in 1990. If I didn't think I could make her happy, I would never have told her that I love her. After all, love and happiness is all I have to offer her. I don't possess a mansion, a villa in France, a yacht, or a string of Peloponnese. I'm glad to hear... <laughs> a string of Peloponnese? Where do you see that? Right there, a string of Peloponnese. That's a string of Peloponnese! <laughs> Vital Statistics Here are the vital statistics that I have about today's game, RoboSquash. Release date and initial retail price. RoboSquash was released in October of 1990 in North America and in Europe, and on July 26, 1991 in Japan. The original retail price was $34 to $39.99 in the U.S., £29.99 in the UK, and 300 francs in France. I don't know the original retail price in Japan. Game Genre It is a front-view, two-dimensional sports action game for one player or for two players using the Comlinks cable. Based on RoboSquash is basically a robotic version of the racket and ball sport Squash, developed in London during the 19th century and played by two players in a four-walled court using a small, hollow rubber ball. It is not a game in which a match is made up of four seven-minute periods, or chukkas, in which players mounted on ponies compete to move along a wooden ball through the grass towards a team goal line by swinging a long, thin mallet. I heard that. Cartridge information. RoboSquash is housed on a 128-kilobyte stereo curved-lip-style cartridge. Screenplay field orientation. The screen play field orientation for RoboSquash on the Lynx is landscape or horizontal. Game levels. There are 16 rounds or planets in RoboSquash. There are four skill levels available when playing RoboSquash. From easiest to hardest, they are Klutz, Terrific, Mr. Terrific, Outrageous, and Insane. Ports of the game to other systems. And RoboSquash is an Atari Lynx exclusive that was never ported to any other system. Packaging. The box for RoboSquash is a regular-sized, full-color, standard flap-tab style box, 5 and 3 8 inches high by 4 and 3 8 inches wide by 7 8 inches deep. Front of the box. The background of the box front is black. Covering most of the box front is the cover art, outlined in a lime green frame. At the lower foreground, against a mostly light purple-gray background in perspective view towards the upper left, the cover art depicts a futuristic person in silver armor and helmet standing at a control console with light green view screens. The person appears to be controlling a wheel. Above the console, suspended in midair, 
is a white oblong frame with rounded edges, ostensibly the paddle that the person is controlling with the wheel. A shiny red rubber ball has apparently just been deflected off the invisible surface within the frame and is heading back into the game court beyond the console. A geometric pattern of lines and boxes is shown on the wall at the right of the console along with two large dark gray buttons, or they could be speakers. Superimposed over the console are two graphics. The graphic at the center right of the cover art depicts a large green frog-like face made up only of a mouth and an angry grimace with very angry eyes. Well, I bet you wish you could have cut me down with those angry eyes. The graphic at the upper right of the cover art depicts a pair of lips and teeth with a tongue sticking out. Straddling the cover art at the bottom and surrounded by a lime green frame is the standard Atari Lynx cartouche. Below the Lynx logo within the cartouche are the words Video Game Card in white block lettering. Superimposed at the top of the cover art is the title, Robo Squash, in narrow capital green and yellow block lettering, with each letter filled with a grid-style texture. A small black TM, or trademark, can be seen just to the lower right of the title. Beneath the cover art, at the lower left corner of the box, is the Atari Fuji logo and name in white, with a small white circled R, registered trademark, just to the right. Finally, straddling the bottom right corner of the box cover is the standard yellow Comlinks triangular banner with one to two players links up in black lettering within the triangle angled upwards at 45 degrees. Back of the box. The background of the box back is white. Most of the back is enclosed within a lime green frame. Straddling the frame at the top is the title Robo Squash in green and yellow textured lettering as it appears on the front cover. A small black TM appears to the upper right of the title. Within the frame are two left and right screenshots near the top, also outlined in lime green. The left screenshot depicts the demo mode screen, with a red-haired man, apparently shirtless, I call him the dude. I'm the dude, so that's what you call me, you know? Uh, that or uh, his dudeness or uh, duder or, uh, you know, El Duderino if you're not into the whole brevity thing. Standing in the lower foreground at a complicated control console inside an industrial looking room, a large view screen appears above him with the words War Games Date 2810 in white and red three-dimensional lettering. The right screenshot depicts a perspective view of the squash court used during the gameplay, with various colored square bricks and power-ups suspended across the court. A large red splatter appears on the left, and the player's white-framed paddle is seen in the upper right while the opponent's paddle is seen in the distance. The red rubber ball hovers near the floor of the court. Beneath the two screenshots is the following heading in large lime green lettering. Experience the ultimate zero-g future sport. Below that is this paragraph in black lettering. Take the challenge of multi-dimensional competition. Control and aim your racket to deflect the ball as it comes at you. Hit exploding bricks and special items for power-ups. Miss the ball and you'll be splattered. You and a friend can links up for an awesome two-player challenge. Below the paragraph is the bullet point two-player comlinks capability. Straddling the bottom of the lime green frame box is a small version of the standard gray and black cartouche with the words video game card in white block letters below the Lynx logo. At the lower left of the box is the Atari Fuji logo and name in black 
with a small black circled R, registered trademark, just to the right of the name. At the bottom center of the box is printed, Atari, the Atari logo, Lynx, and RoboSquash are TMs or registered trademarks of Atari Corporation, copyright 1990, Atari Corporation, Sunnyvale, California, 94089-1302. All rights reserved, printed in Hong Kong, made in China. Finally, at the bottom right of the box back is displayed the official seal of the FBI, bracketed at the top by the usual phrase, Winners Don't Use Drugs, and at the bottom with the name William S. Sessions, Director, FBI. Box Tabs Printed on the bottom left inside tab of my Robo Squash box is a small circle with the numbers 1 through 12 surrounding it, similar to a clock face, but the number 10 is missing. Inside the circle is printed the number 1990. This would seem to indicate that the original print date for my box was in the 10th month, or October, of 1990, which coincides with the release date for the game here in North America. Above the circle are the initials GC, which refers to one of several printing houses that Atari used between August of 1987 and June of 1990 to print what is known among 2,600 game collectors as the red boxes. Finally, the bottom flap includes a UPC barcode with the numbers 0-77000-02061-1. If any of you Linksters have RoboSquash boxes with different information on the tabs or flaps, please let me know. The Manual The instruction manual for RoboSquash is a stapled regular size booklet in monochrome, measuring the usual 4 and 7 eighths inches high by 3 and 3 quarters inches wide. It consists of 8 pages, including the front and back covers. Scott Rhodes may have written this manual, but he's not sure. We'll hear from him in the listener feedback segment coming up. And as far as I can determine, instruction manuals for RoboSquash were released in English in North America and the UK, French in France, and Japanese in Japan. Across the top of the front page of the RoboSquash manual is the standard Atari Lynx logo, outlined as usual in light red, almost pinkish-orange, with the Atari Fuji logo bracketing the Lynx logo at the left, positioned vertically. Beneath the logo are the words Video Game Manual. Down the right-hand side of the manual is the ubiquitous gray vertical band with faux embossed Lynx font X's. The cover art, which takes up most of the page, is a monochrome facsimile of the box front cover art. Inside the front cover at the top of the page is a paragraph of accuracy boilerplate. Below that is the Atari, Atari logo, Lynx, and RoboSquash copyright info, followed by Copyright 1990, Atari Corporation, all rights reserved. Below that is the Atari Fuji logo, registered trademark, along with Copyright Atari Corporation, Sunnyvale, California, 94089-1302, all rights reserved. The rest of the inside cover is blank. The next page after that, labeled as page 1, includes the following paragraphs under the heading, Squash the Enemy. It is the 31st century. The president of the world has died unexpectedly at the young age of 281 after nearly 200 years of peaceful rule, leaving the United World Federation in chaos. The World Party has been in control for almost four centuries, but now the International Party wants to take over. Rumors that the president's death was not accidental cannot be confirmed, but the World Party is on the defensive. Since the conventional warfare of the uncivilized past is now obsolete, the two parties are gearing up to settle the dispute in a more modern way, an all-or-nothing game of robo-squash. 
It is your civic duty as champion of the World Party to compete against the International Party's champion. If you win, the World Party will remain in control and world unity will continue. If you lose, the International Party will divide the world into individual nations, setting up the same kinds of senseless, petty disputes that nearly destroyed the world back in the 21st century. Wow. That last sentence has turned out to be pretty accurate. Hasn't it? Uh, yes it is, Monty, but let's avoid getting too topical. Continuing with the manual, Federation peace depends on your abilities. Can you handle the pressure? You must. Otherwise, civilization may be doomed. Beneath these paragraphs and on through to most of page 2 are getting started instructions. Option game controls are listed at the bottom of page 2. Playing the game instructions are covered on page 3. Page 4 includes notes about special items, or power-ups. Strategy tips for playing the game begin at the bottom of page 4 and continue to the top of page 5. And the back cover is mostly blank, except for the Atari Fuji logo and registered trademark and name at the bottom left. Beneath that logo, Copyright 1990, Atari Corporation, Sunnyvale, California, 94089-1302, all rights reserved. On the bottom right corner of the back cover, is printed in Hong Kong GC 10.1990, C398102-035. And that covers the vital statistics for RoboSquash. Okay, a simple guide for a beginner's boast. Now, what you really want to be thinking of, and this is something that was taught to me by actually Chris Walker, a very good squash player, ex-world champion, and he basically said, rather than thinking about, from a beginner's perspective, thinking about the angle and where you're trying to get it on the front wall, just think about hitting it into the side wall. So almost imagine that the side wall is your front wall, and you hit it directly into the side wall, but that naturally then will make it hit sidewall and then come round, hit front wall and get a really good angle on your boast. Very basic, you're not trying to do anything special with it, but from a beginner's perspective, it's tough in the back corners, it's tough to boast initially because it's just counterintuitive. How can you hit the sidewall and the ball can go up? Just think about hitting it 45 degrees into the sidewall, reasonably hard, almost like a drive, but you're driving it into the sidewall and whatever, 400 backhand, it will go to the front and it will become a standard basic boast. And then from there you can start to learn how to do different things with it. Credits. Here's a rundown of the people credited with creating RoboSquash. Working title. The working title for RoboSquash was 3D Barrage. Developer. A few sources, notably Wikipedia, state that RoboSquash was developed by New FX Incorporated. However, no other sources that I could find confirm this statement. In fact, all of my sources, except for Wikipedia, say that RoboSquash was developed by Atari Corp. Even New FX's own website, which has been archived on the Wayback Machine on archive.org, fails to mention this game as one of theirs. However, in the interest of completeness, I will include this information about New FX Incorporated. The studio was established in 1990 by Lou Hine and Pat Quinn in Hoffman Estates, Illinois, near Chicago. The company developed or co-developed at least five and perhaps as many as seven games for the Atari Lynx during the console's original marketing run. 
Robo Squash, maybe, and Rygar in 1990, Hard Driving, Zybots, and Turbo Sub in 1991, and Hydra and Steel Talons, maybe, in 1992. All of these games are listed on the archived New FX Incorporated website except for Steel Talons and today's game Robo Squash. New FX Incorporated was acquired by Electronic Arts in February of 2004 and later became part of EA Chicago, where it became famous for developing the NBA Street video game series. Programmer. Robo Squash was programmed by Ed Schneider. Besides this game, Schneider also programmed and or provided art and graphics for the Atari Lynx games Turbo Sub in 1991 and Hydra in 1992. Artwork. Artwork for Robo Squash was completed by Robert Nagel. In addition to this game, Nagel also performed the programming and engineering on the Lynx game Toki in 1992, and he provided art and graphics for the game I'll be covering in the next episode of the Handicast, Road Blasters in 1990. Music. David Tamanaro provided the music for Robo Squash. He also engineered the sound and or composed the music for the Lynx titles Road Blasters and Paperboy in 1990, and for Pinball Jam and Hydra in 1992. Producer. Craig Erickson was listed as the producer for Robo Squash. In addition to this game, he also produced Lynx Casino in 1992, along with the game I covered in the last episode of the Handicast, Basket Brawl, also in 1992. He also provided Lynx art for the 1992 title Pit Fighter. He served as the director for the Lynx game Ishido the Way of Stones in 1991, and he designed the original concept for the 1992 Lynx game Kung Food. And that completes my coverage of the credits for Robo Squash. The Atari Lynx Handicast will return after this podcast promotion. Berg, where should I go if I'm interested in learning about Atari games? Atari 2600 games? Yeah. Well, you could check out my podcast, the Atari 2600 Game by Game Podcast. Is there a list somewhere where I can get all of the shows and I can figure out which show I want to hear first? Yes, there is. Uh, my friend Jose has made that very list that you're speaking of, and you can find that at 2600gamebygamepodcast.blogspot.com if you check in the link section. Okay. And, and will you be doing more of these shows? I'll be doing every one of these games for the 2600, so I'll be doing this and for another decade. <laughs> every single Game? Every single game. I'll take it. How much do you want? I don't want anything. It's free. <gasps> Atari 2600 Game by Game Podcast. Also available on iTunes. COVID-19, better known as coronavirus, has spread throughout the world. Symptoms of this respiratory disease may include fever, cough, and shortness of breath. These symptoms may show up 2 to 14 days after exposure. If you are experiencing these symptoms and have come into contact or are in an area with an ongoing outbreak, please call a hotline and or consult with a physician. Clean and disinfect high-touch surfaces. For more information, please visit cdc.gov forward slash COVID-19. Thank you. Playing the game. On the whole, Robo Squash is a pretty simple game to play. It just takes some getting used to the controls to be able to master it. Object of the game. Per the manual, the object of the game is to capture as many balls in vertical and horizontal rows as possible. Use logic and strategy to choose a ball at the beginning of each round. 
outplay your opponent, either the Lynx or a friend, without losing three balls to win each round, or win a round by being the first player to hit the mysterious mechanical spider. Use the joypad to hit the ball. Hit bricks and special items with the ball for points. For bonus points, hit the mechanical spider after all the bricks are destroyed. The round ends when one player loses three balls or hits the spider. The ball gains speed every five seconds as the round progresses. The longer a round lasts, the faster the ball will go, and the harder it will be to hit. If you don't defeat your opponent quickly, you will need all your skill just to hit the ball. Winning a round captures the selected ball for the winner. The ball will change to the winner's color. When all rounds have been completed, players receive bonus points for multiple balls in vertical or horizontal rows. More points are awarded for longer rows, so use strategy and good sense to create large rows. The player with the most points after all the rounds have been completed wins. So it's less like an emulation of squash or racquetball, where opponents play alongside each other, and more like a combination of pong and breakout, with opponents facing each other. Got it. Quite, Monty. Title screen. After the Robo Squash cart is inserted into the links, the silent title screen appears. It depicts the surface arc of a gray planet in the foreground with a halo of red, orange, and yellow hovering above it, all against a black star field. A white fireball appears to be zooming in horizontally from the right across the top of the star field, and another one appears to be zooming across the star field from the left, just above the planet's surface. The title Robosquash in large capital red 3D lettering in a pinched perspective appears across the scene at the upper center. At the bottom, in smaller white capital lettering, is Copyright 1990 Atari Corp, then All Rights Reserved in small black lettering below that. After a few seconds, the screen goes blank and the title reappears in a slightly lower position on a solid black background. Beneath the title is the word Comlinks in small capital white lettering with press A or B to continue in the same lettering near the bottom. If two competing players using a Comlinks cable had pressed a button on at the same time, the screen at this point would have indicated a number beneath the word Comlinks. Single players will see no numbers at this point. If a player presses A or B, or after 20 seconds without any presses, the screen goes blank and the demo mode begins, along with the RoboSquash title music. Demo mode. The demo begins with the title screen in view. As the music plays, the view pans back to show that the title screen is being displayed on a large view screen inside a mostly gray and black industrial looking control room. When the rest of the control room is fully revealed, the back view of the red haired man, apparently shirtless, the dude, runs up from the lower foreground and stops at a complicated control console underneath the view screen. To the dude's left is a large black and gray square hole that gets progressively smaller, like the inside of a hollow square cone. To the man's right can just be seen an angled bin of large, shiny balls, ostensibly the planets, that are used in the game. The following text in large white and red 3D lettering begins to appear on the view screen. 
War Games, date 2810. After a few seconds, the word Champion appears at the top of the view screen in the same lettering. Then a scrolling text in gold and yellow lettering begins to roll up from the bottom. You have reached the final and ultimate challenge, the Planetary Federation Robo Squash, with the word Robo Squash in the same white and red 3D lettering. The scrolling text continues. Here you will compete for control of the planets and the domination of the galaxy. Static then appears on the view screen, followed by a perspective view of the square squash court in dark gray and black with blue and black controls along the court's sides and bottom. This scene then reverts to a full-size depiction of the squash court and the control panels. The word power-ups in large yellow and red 3D lettering flashes across the screen, followed by progressively closer views in the center of the court of the four power-ups used in the game, along with their names and brief descriptions printed in gray lettering at the bottom. I'll explain what the power-ups do and what they look like in just a minute. The scene then reverts back to the dude standing in front of the view screen, which displays static, before changing to a view of a 4x4 rack of 16 balls. The second column and the bottom row of balls are colored red and yellow. To the right of the rack is the following text in white on a black background. Win in rows and columns for bonus points. The phrase, choose planet to conquer, is printed in yellow lettering beneath the rack of balls, with various colored lights in a horizontal row displayed beneath the text. The music stops and the screen goes black, with the game's credits in yellow and white lettering fading in and out individually in a continuous cycle. Pressing the A or B button initiates the skill selection screen. Selecting a skill level. As the skill selection screen begins, the word terrific indicating the default skill level in chrome textured capital letters flashes across the center with the text use joypad to select level printed in small brownish letters at the bottom all against a black background. The player chooses a level by moving the d-pad up or down to toggle through the four choices. Again, from easiest to hardest, the skill levels are klutz, terrific, outrageous, and insane. Pressing the A or B button then locks in the level chosen and the player then moves on to the round selection screen. Selecting a level. The round selection screen begins with the same 4x4 rack of balls as before, this time appearing in monochrome, with a colored plus sign hovering above. Two left and right readouts appear below the rack with the current score in white in each one. In the first round, the scores are, of course, both zero. Below each readout are three colored lights, blue on the left, red on the right, representing the color for each player. The player who scored the most in the previous round then positions the plus sign corresponding to his or her color over the rack to choose which ball or planet to play next. Then pressing the A or B button begins the game. Gameplay mode. The gameplay screen depicts a perspective view of the squash court with several gold-colored bricks hovering in a grid fashion over the center, while the four power-ups appear at varying distance behind the bricks. The player's paddle, an oblong white frame with rounded corners and black diagonal cross hatching, appears at the upper right of the screen in the foreground holding the red ball. The opponent's paddle can be seen in the far court. The serving player positions his or her paddle using the D-pad, then uses the A or B button to propel the ball forward towards the opposite end of the court. Players continue to volley the ball back and forth against the walls and the back of the squash court using their paddles until the ball is missed by a player, whereupon a large red splat graphic will appear where the ball was missed. 
These splats remain on the screen partially blocking the view of the playfield until the round ends. And the round ends when the ball is missed by a player three times, causing the view screen to suddenly crack, or when all the bricks on the screen have been hit. If neither player has three misses and all of the colored bricks have been eliminated, the mechanical spider runs around the floor, walls, and ceiling of the court until it is shot down by a player. After the round ends, the round selection screen reappears and the scores for each player are totaled on the readouts. Then the next round begins. Power-ups. As I mentioned earlier, during the course of the game, several items will appear on the screen. Players simply hit the item with the ball to collect and use it. Players can collect any of the power-ups, but can only use one of them at a time. The last item hit becomes the current one. Players should note that all of the power-ups vanish when the mechanical spider appears on the court. So here are the power-ups in RoboSquash. The shooter, or the dragon, shoots fireballs at the bricks and at other power-ups. It looks like a green frog's face sticking out his blue tongue. Using a fireball results in fewer points, but it does create explosions, which are difficult to see through and which can be used effectively as smoke screens to hinder the opponent's timing and reactions. The holder, or the mouth, allows players to catch the ball with the paddle to be able to aim the ball before propelling it. It looks like a smiling set of white teeth with very red lips. The expander, or the spiral disc, enlarges the player's paddle to make it easier to hit the ball. It looks like a round red and yellow yin and yang style swirl. And finally, the spotter, or the all-seeing eye, briefly displays a circle to show the player where the ball will end up during a volley, allowing the player to get a head start towards intercepting the ball. It looks like a green eyeball with blue blinking eyelids. Scoring. During gameplay, players receive points for destroying bricks and hitting power-ups. Players also receive bonus points for hitting the mechanical spider and capturing balls in vertical columns and horizontal rows. Players should be aware that final scores are not tallied until at the game over screen. And here's how the points are awarded. Hit bricks, 200 points. Hit a power-up, 200 points. Hit a brick or a power-up with the shooter, 100 points. Hit a mechanical spider, 500 points. And a win. Balls remaining at the end of a round, 500 points to the round winner. Two balls in a row or a column is 1,000 points. Three balls in a row or a column, 3,000 points. And four balls in a row or column, 6,000 points. At the end of the higher rounds, both the winner and the loser will receive 500, 1,000, or 1,500 points just for making it to those rounds. Game Strategies Here are some strategy tips from the RoboSquash Manual. Quick reactions are crucial. Learn to use the spotter to help you get a jump towards the ball. Use your opponent's splats to your advantage. Aim for them so that he will have a hard time spotting the ball. Use the shooter to create an explosive diversion. Weaker players should aim for the expander. This will enlarge the paddle and make it easier to return the ball. Beat your opponent quickly. The longer a round lasts, the more chance you will lose a ball. Do everything you can to make your opponent miss the ball, even if it means screaming loudly whenever you hit the ball. Stupid jokes may also help. Use your head when choosing the ball at the start of each round. Capturing balls in rows results in many points. Don't waste special items or power-ups. They are very useful. And finally, watch for the spider when all of the bricks are destroyed. 
game ending. The game ends when all 16 rounds have been completed. At this point, the game ending music plays. As the music continues to play, the empty squash court reappears with the words Game Over in yellow lettering superimposed across the center. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. The whole scene backs out to the view of the control room with the dude looking at the view screen. This cutscene continues to back out to reveal a large door surrounding the control room with triangular interlocking metal panels sliding up and down to close the view. Then the scene backs out farther to show that the door is actually part of a large metal sphere, ostensibly a spaceship, in outer space. As the cutscene continues, the sphere moves quickly into the distant center until a set of multicolored concentric rings flashes and explodes. This explosion is then replaced by a small white dot which zooms off from the center into the upper right corner and off the screen. Finally, still as the music continues to play, the scores for each player appear side by side in green and red serif lettering across the center of the remaining star field, while fireworks appear from the corners and explode in rapid succession. The cutscene then ends and the game reverts back to the blank title screen. And that is how you play RoboSquatch. The Atari Lynx Handycast will return after this brief vintage advert. Hey, Mr. Block, can I go to the bathroom? Two minutes. Introducing Lynx from Atari, the color video game you can get away with. Well, sometimes. Reviews and ratings. The reviews for Robo Squash generally seem to follow along the lines that it's not a bad game, but it's also not a great game. Keep in mind that links to all of the reviews I outline here for RoboSquash can always be found in the links links in the show notes. Here are the reviews that I found for RoboSquash. Review. The review crew on page 26 of the January 1991 issue, number 18, of Electronic Gaming Monthly Magazine gave these assessments of RoboSquash. Steve gave the game a 5 out of 10 rating, saying that the game is about the silliest name I've heard for a game lately, but putting that aside, the game suffers from few faults and delivers what it promises, a 3D breakout. Ed gave the game a rating of 4 out of 10, saying, Nothing great here. The 3D effects just aren't a good enough reason to try breakout again. Martin also gave RoboSquash a 4 out of 10 rating, saying, The game just doesn't have any outstanding features for being on such an outstanding system. And Sushi X gave the game a rating of 5 out of 10, saying, the graphics aren't the kind of graphics you would expect from the Lynx. You'll really get tired of the ball splatting against the screen and blocking your vision. It's fun with two players. Review. An unnamed writer on page 71 in the Bite Size column of the March 1991 issue, number 112, of the UK magazine Computer and Video Games, gave RoboSquash a rating of 70% out of 100%, saying, Effectively, RoboSquash is a 3D version of the arcade antique Pong. Power-ups and smart graphics liven things up a little, but there isn't quite enough variety to keep the game exciting for very long. Review 
an unnamed writer on page 38 in the April 1991 issue, number 6, of the UK magazine Rays, gave Robosquash an 83% for graphics, clean and precise, outrageous symbols for special blocks, 78% for sound, no tune or theme, each event has its own juicy effect, and an 80% for playability. Addictive and engrossing gameplay, intense two-player action, for an overall rating of 82% out of 100%. Review. Another unnamed writer on page 102 of the December 1992 issue, number 41, of ST Format magazine, gave Robosquash 81% out of 100%, saying, It's one of those games you can dig out whenever you fancy a quick blast, although it's infinitely better in its two-player incarnation. Robosquash is like a Mars bar, a bit dull after a few years, but still satisfying when all you want is a quick bite. Hmm, can you even get a Mars bar anymore? Review. Jeff at JVGS, in an undated review, said this about Robosquash. In this action sports game, the winner of the Robosquash competition wins control of the galaxy. Okay, so the plot is ridiculous, but it's still not a bad game. If you can imagine a 3D version of Pong with power-ups, then you basically know how this game works. You try to hit the ball past your opponent. There are bricks that can block your view, but luckily you can smash them away. The game is mildly entertaining, but it gets repetitive after a short while. Review. Veteran writer Robert A. Jung's 1999 review of Robosquash, which was updated in 2018 and posted at IGN.com, ends with this verdict. A good, slightly above-average game. Playing it by yourself is fine, since the difficulty levels let you tune the computer to your skills. I suspect, though, that playing it with another person would be more fun. Best for players who are looking for a sports-type game for the links. Review. The Retro Gamer team at Retro Gamer Magazine summarized their 2013 review of Robosquash by saying, If you're the owner of a Lynx and stumble across a copy of the game going for pennies, you could do far worse than pick it up. It might not look or sound anything special, but Robosquash certainly holds a lot of pick-up-and-play charm. Squash it isn't, but fun it most certainly is. Review The video game critic in his 2008 review of Robosquash gave the game a grade of C+, saying... Robosquash could be mildly entertaining if two players hook up their Lynx systems, but playing the CPU is a dull and lengthy ordeal. It might have been fun had it been faster and shorter, but we'll never know for sure. Review And at the Retro Review Project, Tim, in his 2012 review of Robosquash, provided this summary of the game. There's a reason Robosquash didn't take the world by storm. Well, yeah, it's on the Lynx, but other than that... It's a pretty simple game, and maybe even a bit monotonous at times, but you may get some enjoyment out of it if you like the genre. It won't hurt to give it a try. I'd love the chance to play two-player via Link Up too. I think it could be a lot more fun against a human opponent than the computer. Review. Finally, John McQueen, in his 2018 review of Robosquash on AtariGamer.com, gave the game an overall rating of 7.5 out of 10. Here's his summary. In all, I was pleasantly shocked out of my cynicism toward the box art and simple online screenshots, and taken into a Lynx gaming experience that replicated the great retro games of old, with a couple of neat new surprises. I recommend Robosquash thoroughly. Splat! Mox Review Well, here's another Lynx title that I rather liked, but I just can't play worth a crap. I guess my hand-eye coordination just isn't what it used to be. So what did I like? Well, I liked the game ending music, even though I rarely lasted long enough playing it to ever hear it. It's a much catchier tune than the opening title music. 
I liked the funky Salvador Dali-esque look of the game, both in the box art and in the graphics of the game itself. And I liked the cutscenes with the dude at the beginning and at the end of the game. They were imaginative and well executed. What I don't like. Really just one thing, the controls. Using the D-pad to position my paddle quickly enough to respond to the serves and volleys from the opponent, even in klutz mode, was something I just could never get the hang of. I became frustrated when I played Robo Squash, no matter how many times I practiced playing, and I played it a lot. Perhaps if the D-pad settings had been a bit more precise, I could have begun to master it. I also found that the collision detection was sometimes inaccurate, at times in my favor and at other times in my opponent's favor, but that's just a small quibble. Finally, I believe that comlinking this game with another player might improve my experience in playing Robo Squash. Unfortunately, I don't have that option. Overall, though, I like this game. Just wish I could play it better. So here are my ratings for Robo Squash: gameplay, three links; graphics, three links; controls, two links; music, three links; and sound effects, three links. And my overall rating for Robo Squash: 2.8 links out of five. And that's all of the reviews that I have for Robo Squash. The Atari Lynx Handycast will return after this podcast promotion. Berg, this thing isn't working. What's that? Oh, you're, you're wiggling right it wrong, Kevin. How do you do it? You gotta wiggle it like this. Ah, uh, that's much easier. Let's see? Now. Feels a little smoother. Uh, yeah. Uh, what does this button do? Oh, don't press that button. <laughs> what happens? <laughs> You'll shoot. <laughs> oh my gosh. Atari 2600 Game by Game Podcast. Available on iTunes. COVID-19, better known as coronavirus, has spread throughout the world. Information about children with this disease is limited, but they are known to have had mild symptoms. Many organizations are responding accordingly, depending upon their area. It's best to stay home and away from others, especially when sick, and continue following healthy hand wash guidelines, covering mouth and nose and not touching your face or high-touch surfaces. Clean and disinfect high-touch surfaces regularly, and for more information, please visit cdc.gov forward slash COVID-19. Thank you. Fun Facts and Trivia Here are some fun facts and trivia that I found for RoboSquash. Prices at online auctions there were two single loose carts of RoboSquash sold on eBay over the last 30 days. One from France sold for $1.19 and one from the Netherlands sold for $10.14. There was one cart manual combo of RoboSquash on eBay that was sold over the last 30 days and it went for $9.95. There were three CIB copies of RoboSquash sold on eBay. One sold at $8.40, one from the UK sold at $18.10, and there was a Japanese copy that sold for $3.25. There were also six NIB copies of RoboSquash sold, three of them from the UK, all of them averaging in price at $18.64. 
finally, there were three CIB lots sold that included Robo Squash. One also included Kung Food and Super Squeak that sold for $34.99. One also included Chips Challenge and Toki that also sold for $34.99. And one also included Basket Brawl, Klax, The Gates of Zendikon, and Hydra that sold for $79.95. All three lots averaged $49.98. Pricecharting.com gives RoboSquash a value of $10.50 for a loose cartridge, $10.82 for a CIB, $16.48 for an NIB, $4.35 for a box only, and $2.72 for a manual only. And on RarityGuide.com, RoboSquash is given a value of $11 for a new inbox copy, $5 for a complete inbox copy, and $2 for a loose cartridge. Prices at other retailers. Bruce at BNC Computer Visions in the U.S. is selling Robo Squash for $5 for a box only, $9.95 for a cart and manual combo, $12.95 for an NIB with a damaged box, and $14.95 for an undamaged NIB. You can find them through his online store on eBay under the username MyAtari. At Best Electronics, CIB copies of Robo Squash are selling for $14.95 and loose carts are selling for $9.95. This information was last updated January 7, 2021, so check the Best Electronics website for availability and updated prices. The Gamesman in Australia is selling CIB copies of RoboSquash for $24.95 Australian. The Goat Store has a CIB copy of RoboSquash for $17.97. Telegames in the UK has new old stock copies of RoboSquash with box and manual for sale at £10, including tax. And finally, Video 61 in Atari Sales is charging $24.95 for a new in-box copy of RoboSquash. Rarity Atari Age gives RoboSquash a rarity score of 2, which is common plus. Almost as ubiquitous as common, but may vary slightly from collector to collector. Even beginning collectors can find almost all of these without much difficulty. AtariGamer.com gives RoboSquash a rarity score of 19 out of 100 for the standard boxed version, which is abundant, readily available but getting a little more interesting. AtariGamer.com also gives the Blister Pack boxed variety a rarity score of 23, the French boxed variant a score of 23, the Micro World boxed variant a score of 24, and the Japanese boxed variant a score of 29, all of which are common. A little harder to find and starting to get some value. Digital Press provides a rarity score of 2 for a loose cartridge of Robo Squash, and RarityGuide.com gives a rarity score of 25% out of 100% for Robo Squash. High scores. The top high score for Robo Squash on original hardware, as recorded on HighScore.com, is 47,500 points by Frost in Kildare, Ireland, on November 5, 2014. In emulation, the top high score for RoboSquash is 900 points by Esbaz in Eugene, Oregon on October 15, 2014. Interestingly, there were no high scores recorded on Twin Galaxies for RoboSquash. And there were also no high scores listed for RoboSquash on the Atari Age Lynx High Score Club, at least that I could find. My own high score. Well, I finally got through an entire game of 16 rounds of RoboSquash without any relative frustration, that is, on March 27, 2021. It was in the klutz level, and I lost all except for the 16th round, and believe me, I was pleased to win that one round. My AI opponent accrued a final score of 110,000 points, while I garnered a meager 48,600 points. Still, 
At least my score beat the recorded high score for RoboSquash on HighScore.com. Cheats, hints, and Easter eggs. And I was unable to find any cheats, hints, or Easter eggs available for the game. So that will wrap up fun facts and trivia for RoboSquash on the Atari Lynx. The Atari Lynx Handycast will return after this brief vintage advert. So you want another reason to buy an Atari Lynx? 16-bit action, sports, great sport. You got NFL football, hockey, basketball, baseball heroes. Now Lynx is just $79.99. Lynx has hot arcade hits, Toki, Steel Talons. We've even got pinball jams, two great big pinball machines jammed into one incredible cart. Hey, for a limited time, Lynx is only $79.99. Over 4,000 colors on the largest portable video screen available. So get your shoes and run to the store. You know you want a Lynx. The most fun you can hold in your hands. Lynx by Atari. Listener feedback. I did get some listener feedback since the last episode, so here's the comments that I have about today's game, Robo Squash, as well as other games that I've covered on the Handicast. Facebook comments and messages. On the Atari Lynx Handicast Facebook page, I asked Scott Rhodes, the veteran Atari instruction manual writer, from whom I received comments last month on Facebook about Basketball, if he remembered working on the instruction manual for Robo Squash. Here is his response. My memories of this one are pretty vague. I think this was one of the ones that we wrote in a hurry. I can't say 100% that I wrote it. I might have only edited it. But some of the writing in the manual looks like mine. This looks like a good example of one of the many times we took the minimal storyline provided in the game and expanded it. I also chuckled at a couple of the strategy suggestions. I don't remember writing this one, but I kind of hope I did because it made me laugh. And then I replied back, Thank you so much, Scott. I really appreciate your feedback. I must admit that RoboSquash's very thin manual and tiny writing did make me chuckle too, especially the intro and the strategy pages. Cheers to you. Smiley face thumbs up. I went on. Last question, and please forgive me if you've answered this question before somewhere else. The backstory in the RoboSquash manual states that the game takes place in the 31st century. Yet the on-screen backstory in the game itself claims that it is the year 2810, which would be the 29th century. Any ideas about how the discrepancy came about? Just curious. Thanks, smiley face. And he commented back, Good catch. We were probably working from notes from the programmer, and they might not have included the correct final date, or were math challenged. I wouldn't dispute either assertion, smiley face. The discrepancy is evidence supporting my vague memories of this one being done quickly. But that date came from somewhere, so I'm going to blame the programmer's notes. But who knows, really? I responded with, Many, many thanks, Scott. Three smiley faces. Back in January, on the Atari History Facebook page, Kieran Hawken informed me that I had neglected to include his feedback about the game I covered in episode 14, Kicks. I somehow missed his post, so I'm including it now. He said, My previous experience of playing this game was a clone for the BBC Micro called Kicks, K-I-X, which was really good. Whenever I went to my neighbor's house, I begged to play that game because I was totally addicted to it. So the moment the Lynx version was released, I ordered it directly from Telegames and wasn't disappointed. It rarely left my Lynx for weeks, and I remember having a scrap of paper stuffed into my kit case that had all the level codes written on it. Also, gotta love that funky intro music. And I responded, Thanks for sharing your memories of Kicks, Kieran. I really appreciate it. Cheers, mate. Smiley face, thumbs up. 
And Kieran, I truly apologize for missing your kicks feedback last month. After I posted the usual goofy photo of myself soliciting feedback for RoboSquash on the Atari Lynx Sector Facebook page, I got this comment from Ron Alpert. I kind of need to pick this one up. Surprisingly fun game. Thanks, Ron. And Michael Hayes also commented, Kind of fun. I would always start each round by hitting the dragon power-up, shooting all the other power-ups first, then shooting all the gems. Then it came down to hitting the spider. Well, you're a better RoboSquash player than I am, Michael. Twitter tweets and messages. On Twitter, UltramagnusTCV tweeted, I had to stop listening to your podcast to say I loved the parody of Brighter Side of Darkness's Love Jones. Well, thanks, Ultramagnus, I think. You've got mail. I received one email of feedback since the last episode. It was from Eugenio TrekMD on Twitter. Let's hear what his thoughts are for RoboSquash. Hello, Mark. I hope all is well. Would you believe that I've been trying to get a Kix++ for my PSP and I've had no luck? I found it on eBay, but each time I purchase it, the seller cancels the order saying they don't have it in stock and then refunds my money. I'm on attempt number three right now. Hopefully, the third time is the charm. But enough talk about kicks. How about I give you feedback for today's game? Robo Squash is an interesting and original game for the Lynx that takes the Pong formula and three dimensions it. Essentially, you control a paddle in a three-dimensional playing field against the AI or a live opponent. And the goal is to hit the ball back and forth and to destroy the bricks and special items at the center of the screen for points. Some of these items can even be helpful during gameplay, as one lets you shoot fireballs, another one lets you grab the balls, one expands the size of your paddle, and another one gives you a hint as to where the ball will hit your paddle. With all these elements, you'd think the game would be awesome, right? Unfortunately, that's not the case. The game is rather average in terms of gameplay. It almost feels like a missed opportunity as more polish might have made the game better. If you miss a ball, it explodes as an ink splotch that blocks part of your view and it stays there until that round ends. Having these be temporary, have them gradually clear up, would have made them a better game element. The game has a nice intro tune, but there is no in-game music and the sound effects are a bit sparse. The graphics are not sophisticated, but they are colorful. I think adding more animation elements might have made the visuals better. Also, adding different in-game music for each level would have made the game more fun. I'm not sure why this was not done, as the system could have certainly handled it. One cool element in the game is getting to hit the robotic spider that shows up once the blocks are cleared, but it is one hard thing to hit. Anyhow, not terrible, but not stellar. RoboSquash is one of those games that you can play in short bursts against the computer. I should try to play against a human, as I bet the game becomes more enjoyable playing against a human challenger. So, that's all for today. Going to the final frontier. Gaming. Eugenio. Well, thank you so much for your email, Eugenio. I agree with every point you make about RoboSquash, from the sparse sound effects, the lack of in-game music, the restricted employment of animated graphics, and oh my god, those splotches. Yes, once I got a splat graphic blocking my view during the game, I pretty much knew that I would not be winning that round. Anywho, I appreciate that you took the time to play and review the game. And good luck in your search for a copy of Kix++ for your PSP. Adios, amigo. Audio submissions. I received two audio submissions for RoboSquash. The first one is from Bobby Tribble. Let's hear what Bobby had to say about today's game. Why did Atari call this game RoboSquash? It's such a weird name. That was one of many confusing things that stood out to me about this Lynx cart. 
I know squash is a popular sport around the world, but enough to make me buy this cartridge? Probably not. Then there's the strange box artwork. It's, I guess, interesting, but the two weird mouths just kind of floating around while some guy tries to work a computer? Like, what is this? Uh, how is this squash? Where is the racket? Why are those giant mouths there? Uh, but most of all, what exactly is this game supposed to be? So anyway, I specifically remember reading the bad review in Electronic Gaming Monthly. I think they often gave Atari games a kind of short shrift, but this one was on the lower end of their ratings, even for Lynx games. It kind of sounded like a glorified 3D breakout, according to what they were saying, with splat graphics that block your view. And yet, I've always been really curious about it anyway. I know the Lynx handles 3D effects well, I just wanted some other games more than this, so Robo Squash fell short of what I wanted to purchase. But it might be something I really enjoy. I've never really played it. Um, or it might not be something I enjoy at all. So out of all the games, this is one that I'm looking forward to finally checking out. Uh, it's kind of an unknown entity. So off to the multi-cart. I'm back. And this game is boring. I hate to be so negative, and actually with a few conceptual changes, maybe even some small tweaks, this could have been a much more exciting game. The idea of 3D Breakout is actually a really good one. Atari has the rights to the name Breakout, by the way, and um, there are a lot of possibilities when you throw two players into the mix, like cooperative as well as competitive play, multiple balls, walls that are a few bricks deep, fast games, or more drawn-out battles. But this is just a set of 16 rounds, always 16 rounds as far as I can tell, with no options other than the computer's skill level. There are a number of other problems on top of those missed opportunities that also make Robo Squash way less exciting than it should have been. The first thing, I didn't feel like I could aim the ball. Usual breakout rules are that hitting closer to the edge of the paddle makes a more angular shot. The 3D playfield makes things a little bit different in Robo Squash, but that breakout angle shot rule didn't seem to apply at all in the game. It felt like I was just lobbing the ball back and hoping that the other side missed. Secondly, rounds didn't seem to ramp up in difficulty as they went along. This also made it feel like I was just, once again, lobbing the ball back over and over. Um, how about a speed up during the round, or some more danger, or some type of power shot to quickly uh, beat the other side and end the round. Third, the bricks didn't seem to give any rewards, so what is the point of having them? Hitting all the bricks releases a spider, but either side can hit the spider and win. So what is my reward for hitting more bricks? And is there any difference to hitting gold versus blue? I couldn't tell. I actually looked up the manual online to see if I was missing something. Uh, nope, as far as I could tell. Though, I did like the idea of yelling and telling dumb jokes while playing, although that's not exactly part of the cartridge, uh, and I don't think it would do much good in a single-player game. Or would it? What should you eat when you play Robo Squash? Microchips. How should you eat when you play Robo Squash? Take Mega Bites. What do you call it when you play Robo Squash in a lake? Roboat Squash. Well, anyway, color me less than impressed with this game. I give Robo Squash one very small zucchini slash courgette, which is not enough to eat for lunch. Ha! Love the corny jokes, Bobby. I'll have to remember to use those the next time I play the game. I don't know if it'll help. 
Anyway, Bobby, I agree with you that much of Robosquash is confusing and strange. Although I generally like the game, despite my inability to play it with any degree of skill, the game does seem to have been nothing more than an attempt to couple a Pong breakout mashup together with a real, albeit somewhat minor, indoor sport. And yes, I have noticed that the review crew in Electronic Gaming Monthly magazine did seem to display a bias against Atari Lynx games in general, although at least they scored Robosquash slightly higher than their review of last month's game, Basket Brawl, and rightfully so in my opinion. Your assessment of Robosquash after playing it on the multi-cart was very perceptive about what the game's shortcomings were and also what it could have been. I too thought hitting the ball with the edge of the paddle would give the ball some spin, a la breakout, but alas no, and an increase in difficulty with each successive round was apparently absent from the game. I only ever won a single round in all my playing, and that one round was round 16 out of 16. I truly doubt my skill had increased that much during that game session. And just FYI, you do get a 200 point bonus for each brick that you hit, but I don't know if that's much of an incentive, especially since aiming the ball seems to be impossible. You made very good points about Robosquash, Bobby, but I am sorry that you found it so boring. Perhaps some in-game music might have helped. I don't know. But I want to thank you for your audio feedback. It is spot on. Cheers, Bobby. And yes, that music means that the next audio submission that I received is from veteran audio submitter Shinto of the Atari Jaguar Game by Game podcast. Here's what Shinto said about his lengthy experience, and yet no experience at all, with RoboSquash. Before I had an Atari Lynx, I had a catalog in the shape of an Atari Lynx. I, I don't remember where I got it, but I, I studied it and I, I played it. Uh, well, pretended to play it, being the same shape and size as an actual console with a picture of the console, I could pretend to play Rygar, which was featured on the front. I'll uh, give you a moment to stop laughing. Better now? Okay, so as I said, I, I studied the thing and the 10 games featured inside this fold-out catalog, and one of those games was RoboSquash. I'd look at the screenshot and imagine what the gameplay was like. There's a ball coming at you and you knock it away with your paddle, and it scales off to the other end of the room, maybe taking out some blocks along the way. My brother said it didn't look like much, my friends said the game didn't look like much, but I didn't listen to them, the naysayers. I wanted this game. RoboSquash looked like fun, and I had to get it. Maybe I didn't see it in stores when I had the money, or maybe I prioritized other games, but as it turned out, I never bought RoboSquash. Not then, not now. I own a lot of Lynx games, but not this one. And another one that's coming up on this podcast in the near future. I'll just leave you in suspense. A few months ago, I decided to try out RoboSquash. I have the ROM. I've had the ROM for many years, but I didn't want to. Um, I, I didn't want to play games that were commercially released, but I didn't actually own yet. When I bought the physical game, I'd unlock that ROM, as it were. Yeah, sounds weird. No weirder than pretending to play a link-shaped catalog, though, right? But RoboSquash was there, sitting in the not yet folder, saying, "Play me, Shinto. Play me." Alright, RoboSquash, you win. I fired it up. It turns out, RoboSquash wanted to kick my butt because that's what it totally did. I was pretty quickly dispatched, played again, lost again, played again, lost again, gave up. A couple weeks later, I adjusted my strategy by dialing back the skill level from terrific all the way down to full-on klutz. 
Yeah, how do you like me now, opposing paddle? It still beat me, again and again and again and again, but then, ha! I won a round. Oh yeah, I did a little happy dance, I'm not ashamed to admit, because if I fessed up to getting schooled on the klutz skill level, a single victory happy dance isn't going to damage my rep any further. In the end, I lost the game, 14 planets to 2, 104,000 to about 50,000. I don't know, Mark, I want to like this one to justify what the 15-year-old me thought it could be, but... I don't think I do. The scaling looks nice, but the power-up animations are annoyingly frantic and don't necessarily make sense. Why does a frog spit fireballs? I don't know. Sounds are minimal and collision detection is weird. I swear I saw the ball pass right through the tiles on multiple occasions without scoring a hit. There doesn't seem to be much skill in determining where you want the ball to go, either. I, I couldn't put any English on it, and I, I didn't see any obvious correlation between where on the paddle you hit the ball and in which direction the ball goes. In Super Breakout, it's pretty obvious. Here, not so much. I'm sad to say this game is not a winner, and based on my scores while playing it, neither am I. Thanks so much, Shinto, for your feedback. First of all, I actually do have a copy of the Lynx-shaped brochure of Lynx games that you mentioned. Bought it a few years ago on eBay for less than 10 bucks, I think. So I'm not laughing about it, although I might laugh if I dig out the brochure again. I'm not sure where I put it. Anyway, I'm amazed that you never bought a copy of RoboSquash. I thought, given your long history with the console, that you already had every cartridge available. But no matter. I'm glad that you did get to play the game finally after all these years. And wow, your experience mirrors my own exactly, although I only won a single round, not two rounds like you did. And my assessment of RoboSquash mirrors your own assessment as well. Great minds think and apparently play alike, I guess. Now, if only my own mind could correctly guess what is the other original release Lynx game that you don't already own. It's obviously not one of the 15 games I've already covered, so that narrows it down a little bit. It could be a later game that commands high prices these days on eBay, such as Desert Strike, Double Dragon, or Super Asteroids and Missile Command. Or it could be a very common title that you just never got around to picking up, such as Super Squeak or Hard Drivin'. Or it could be a particularly bad game, like Pit Fighter or Gordo 106. Was it any one of the examples that I just mentioned, Shinto? Just let me know. In any case, we both do agree that RoboSquash is not a winner, and at this game at least, we are both likewise not winners. As always, Shinto, thank you so much for your feedback about today's game. Keep up the fabulous work on the Atari Jaguar Game by Game podcast, and cheers! So that's it for listener feedback for RoboSquash. As always, to all of my intrepid listeners who took the time to contribute their thoughts and memories to this episode, either by comments, emails, or audio submissions, thank you. I always really do appreciate it. Wrapping it up. Well, that wraps up my coverage of RoboSquash on the Atari Lynx. Be sure to check out the show notes for much more information about today's game and where you can purchase a copy. I also provide a listing of all the homebrew and aftermarket Lynx titles that are currently available at the big three distributors of those games, Luxoft in Germany, Songbird Productions in the US, and Telegames in the UK. 
It's all on the links links in the show notes or at atarilinkshandicast.net. And before I forget, just in case you were wondering, the other five hyphenated original release titles for the Atari Lynx were Ms. Pac-Man, Pac-Land, Pit Fighter, Dirty Larry, Renegade Cop, and Dracula, the Undead. So, Monty, now that you know how Squash is played, and also that it is a very different game from what you thought was the game of Squash, do you think you would enjoy playing it? No, not unless there were ponies involved in the game. Hmm. Okay. Too bad there never was a polo sports game created for the Atari Lynx. Let's get on that, homebrewers. We need more games with ponies. On the next episode of the Handicast, I'll be covering the first of several great racing games for the Lynx, Road Blasters. So please try to get any feedback that you have for episode 17, Road Blasters, to me as soon as possible. And future episodes of the Atari Lynx Handicast waiting outside the court after Road Blasters are episode 18, World Class Fussball Soccer, episode 19, Tournament Cyberball 2072, episode 20, Ninja Gaiden, episode 21, Robotron 2084, and episode 22, Paperboy. So until then, keep on lynxing. Leaving so soon? are in order for the Free Music Archive, which allows for the song 8-Bit Core by Tagirigus to be used as the opening and closing theme music for the Atari Lynx Handicast under the Creative Commons license. The Free Music Archive also allows for the following songs and artists to be used in this episode. Concentric, Digital Savannah, Energy, Escalator, Imaginary Intelligence, Intermission, Sand Dweller, and Transfixion. All by Meter. I would also like to thank Ferg of the Atari 2600 Game by Game podcast, Shinto of the Atari Jaguar Game by Game podcast, and Zerbi of the many Zerbinator Land podcasts, including the excellent Please Stand By podcast. The help and inspiration that Ferg, Shinto, and Zerbi have provided in my brief podcasting experience are invaluable to me, and I really appreciate it. Finally, I would also like to give my heartfelt thanks to my beautiful wife, Lizzie. She has put up with me and with this strange podcasting thing with the patience of a saint, and I could never fully repay her, but I will definitely try. Nudge, nudge, snap, snap, grin, grin, wink, wink, sign them all. The Atari Lynx Handycast is a proud partner with AtariGamer.com. If you are looking for the latest Lynx news, interesting Lynx articles, a full list of Atari Lynx games, and a one-stop compendium of all things Atari Lynx, you can't do any better than visiting AtariGamer.com. Tell them Monkey sent you. The Atari Lynx Handycast is also a proud member of the Throwback Network. You can listen to all of the great retro-themed podcasts on the network, including this one, by visiting throwbackreviews.com. Just click on the podcasts link in the top menu. Episodes of the Atari Lynx Handicast can be found on Apple Podcasts. Please take time to leave a review on Apple Podcasts so that other interested listeners can easily find the Handicast. (laughs) 
In addition to Apple Podcasts, the Atari Lynx Handycast can be found everywhere that podcasts are sold, including Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Amazon Music, Deezer, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and Spotify. Be sure to check out the Atari Lynx Handycast website. All of the episodes can be found there, including show notes and a list of upcoming episodes. You can even purchase Handycast-themed merchandise such as mugs, mouse pads, t-shirts, and tote bags. They're all in the handy shop on the Handycast website at atarilinkshandycast.net. And also don't forget to visit the Handycast blog page at atarilinkshandycast.blogspot.com. Also, you can follow the Atari Lynx Handycast on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash Atari Lynx Handycast. Plus, you can also follow the Atari Lynx Handycast on Twitter and on Instagram. Just search on both platforms for Lynx Handycast. And Reddit users can find the Handycast at reddit.com slash users slash Atari Lynx Handycast. Finally, you can send Mark Little an email and let him know what you think about any episodes of the Atari Lynx Handycast. Or you can provide your own feedback about any Atari Lynx games. You can even suggest future topics or possible interview subjects to future episodes. Or you can just simply say, hi. Just write to him at mark at atarilynxhandycast.net. Thank you for listening. This is Montague Habisham wishing you all a jolly good evening. Finally, straddling the bottom right corner of the box cover, finally, take the challenge of multi-dimensional, take the challenge of Monty, sorry about that, Monty, straddling the bottom of the lime green Straddling the bottom of the line, ugh. Printed on the bottom left inside tab of my Robo Squash Cox, uh, Cox, oh my gosh. To print what is known among 2600 game collectors as the red box. As the red box boxes. That's not right. Includes the following paragraphs under the heading Squash the Enemy. Beware, evildoers. Hmm. The president of the world has died unexpectedly. The president of the world has died unexpectedly. Why is that word hard to say? <clears throat> sure wish that bird would shut up. To the man's left is a large black and gray swear. Swear. To the man's to the man's left, followed by progressively closer views. Well, there goes my phone. I better turn that off. Uh. The game pay... The game pay. The gameplay screen depicts... Gave gave Robo... Robo Schwash. I hate anyone that ever had a pony when they were growing up. I had a pony. (laughs) (laughs) Then I was a little girl in Poland. V.
We all had ponies. My sister had pony. My cousin had pony. So what's wrong with that? Nothing, nothing at all. He was a beautiful pony, and I loved him. Well, I'm sure you did. Who wouldn't love a pony? Who wouldn't love a person that had a pony? You. You said so. No, see, we didn't have ponies. I'm sure at that time in Poland they were very common. They were probably like compact cars. That's it. I had enough. I didn't know she had a pony. How was I to know she had a pony? Who figures an immigrant's gonna have a pony? I mean, in all the pictures I saw of immigrants on boats coming into New York Harbor, I never saw one of them sitting on a pony. they had a pony who leaves a country packed with ponies to come to a non-pony country it doesn't make sense the atari lynx handicast is made possible by a grant from the telesearch group and by the generous support of listeners like you thank you